The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you are coming to me. Jesus said to him in reply, Allow it now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. After Jesus was baptized, he came up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming upon him. And a voice came from the heavens saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I'd venture to say that it's not an uncommon question that when a young couple, particularly when they're coming to church to have their first child baptized, that at some point, maybe in the baptismal preparation class or an intake interview with someone on the parish staff, that they're asked a rather simple question. I've asked it many times myself. Why do you want to have your child baptized? Would you care to guess the most popular answer I've heard in 28 years as a priest? The most common. The most common I've heard, not the only answer I've heard. We want them to grow up to be a nice person. Now, I'm going to come across as really judgy, I know. So... I don't, my intention's not to offend, so I apologize if I come across that way. But let's just be real clear about baptism, what it does and what it doesn't do. Baptism in and of itself does not make us nice people. As a matter of fact, I've met many baptized people who were not terribly nice. Any of us could fall into that category on an off day, right? On the other side, I've also run into many unbaptized people. People who are non-believers, pagans, Muslims, Jews, who were very nice people. They managed to be good, ethical people without the benefit of the waters of baptism. So let's be clear, baptism is not in any way, shape, or form equated with niceness. As a matter of fact, nice is not a virtue. Okay, it's rather, it's a warm-hearted feeling, something I don't think that we want to be seen as the opposite of, but it has little or nothing to do with baptism. Rather, I'd put to you today, friends, that what we see happened at the baptism of Jesus is not that far 
from what happened at our own baptism. I don't know that we realize that or that we embrace it wholeheartedly all the time. Because you see, when we were baptized, it was a little different in the sense that Jesus didn't have to be. As a matter of fact, John the Baptist is backing away, almost refusing to baptize him. I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me, he says. And all Jesus says is, no, he doesn't say, no, I need to be baptized. He says, allow it. Allow it. You may not need it or think I need it. Just allow it. It's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then after the baptism takes place, what do we hear the pro proclaimed? This is my beloved son. This is my beloved son. Now, we all know from our catechism, our religious formation, that baptism cleanses us from original sin. Jesus didn't need that. But baptism also confers and confirms an identity on us. Now, we may not have remembered it. You know, you may have been kicking, screaming, crying, or sleeping, for that matter, when the waters of baptism were poured on your head. I was a little bit older because I wasn't raised Catholic. I was like almost seven years old. And I was Baptist, so I do remember my baptism. And the man almost drowned me. But the same thing that happened at my baptism happened at yours. We were given and confirmed an identity. You were called to be a son or a daughter of God. Now you can say, well, why do I need baptism for that? Aren't we all children of God just by the fact that God, our Father, created us? To some degree, yes. But baptism is what conforms us to Christ. When you hear those words of baptism, I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, you're conformed to the image and likeness and person of God. You carry that with you. It's not something you ever lose. Much to the chagrin of some who would like to walk away from their faith, they want to take what they believe the heroic definitive step of calling up their Catholic church where they were baptized and said, I want you to erase it. I want to become unbaptized. Impossible. It happened. Once we are called, once we are chosen, it's happened. What we do with that, we certainly do have some control over, don't we? But you see, let's think about what happens for us in baptism. A couple of things. We talk about being cleansed from original sin. And sometimes we might struggle with that because we think, oh, look at that cute little baby. That baby's never committed sin. That baby's incapable of sin. True enough. You know, they may do some things that cause us to sin on occasion waking us up in the middle of the night, you know, having to change a diaper, things like that. I'm speaking for you, not me. <laughs> I only deal with dogs. But the point, the point is, they've committed no sin. So why do they need to be baptized? Well, think of it, and this is not going to be a perfect analogy, 
But let's talk about the world in which any human being is born into. We're born into a world that is, can we mildly say, less than perfect? Would everybody agree with that? We haven't reached heaven quite yet. Our ancestors did a great job of messing it up and turning from God. We're born into a sinful world. In many ways, we're born into sin. Now think of that in the way of perhaps a baby that is born to a mother who suffers from some sort of addiction. Maybe alcoholism. Or maybe more uh, seriously, you know, a cocaine addiction or something like that. It's a sad reality that sometimes children are born with the addictions of their parents. It's carried on. And they have to be treated for it right after birth. As a matter of fact, even experience withdrawal symptoms right after they leave their mother's womb. Think of sin that way. We're born into it. It's kind of somehow part of it, at least the proclivity of it. Our tendency to maybe want to lean towards selfishness. Not being totally there and certainly being influenced in a world that isn't always of God. Baptism literally is a cleansing. It's God telling us that you now have the grace, you now have the strength, you now have the power to overcome. It doesn't keep us from slipping back into sinful behavior any more than a child born with an addiction who goes through a period of detox is ever well forever. That person could grow up and choose to follow the habits of their parent, right? Same thing with us. But we're given a clean slate. We're given a way forward. It's, the theological term is grace. We have the grace. Now we know we slip and fall and say, well, it didn't work for me. I still sinned after my baptism. Yeah, most of us, like 99.9999% of us did, unless we were baptized and then died right away, right? That's about the only way. But we also have other sacraments that carry us through, don't they? We don't stop with baptism like that magic sacrament to make us nice. It's that sacrament that gives us grace and sets us on the way. In Eucharist, we're nourished so that we don't starve. In reconciliation, we're forgiven. When we do sin, when we do fall, when we do backslide, we're called back into communion with God. Our young people, when they're confirmed, are fortified, strengthened with the Holy Spirit, knowing that as life goes on, they need it even more to unleash the Spirit's power. Most of you are married. There's a grace in marriage in that sacrament. You're not just assigned to the rest of us. God gave you a grace to strengthen you of living out a commitment of being a spouse, of possibly being a parent. You see, we can't underestimate what happens because God wants us to be more than nice, better than nice. He wants us to be disciples. He wants us to be followers of Jesus and proclaimers of his word. You see, if we settle for nice, baptism becomes just a little ritual, 
a rite of passage. And if we stop there, then it's just like we've checked the mark. We're Catholic, but we're just maybe Catholic like someone else might be Italian or Irish. They're born into a family that may have some culture, some custom, or some tradition. Well, my friends, there's a long bridge that we need to cross from being a cultural Catholic to a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what baptism does for us. It's our calling. It's the moment that we're chosen. We're given an identity of son, of daughter, of God, in whom our Heavenly Father is well pleased, in whom our Father in Heaven delights. You know, so often when we don't get that, we can find ourselves being defined by any of a number of things that really somehow cheapen our identity as children of God. We might find ourselves identified by our successes or our failures. Look how far I've climbed the corporate ladder. I'm an executive. I'm successful. That's not our identity. It's an accomplishment to be sure, but it's not one's identity. Any more than, look, I've never made it in life. I failed at this, I failed in my marriage, I've not been a great husband or father or wife or mother. That's not what defines us. We're still a, da a daughter, a son of God. We might identify ourselves by something that we've done, some way that we've fallen. Not that it's wrong to perhaps embrace you know, an addiction or a sin or something where we're trying to get help, but that's not our identity. It's part of us. It may be something we've done. It's not who we are. And if we learn nothing more from Jesus' baptism that we celebrate as we close out the Christmas season, it's that we are conformed to Him. That He becomes not just the Christ, but also our brother. Because you become son, daughter to a loving father. And when we say you're baptized into the in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, that means when you pray, you are praying in the midst of the Blessed Trinity. You are praying in the Spirit, which is the reflection of the love between the Father and the Son. You carry on the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ as a baptized Christian, as a disciple. As a baptized follower of Jesus, you are called to the banquet table to receive Him, body, blood, soul, and divinity, to celebrate His presence among us and to take His presence into our world. It's not hard. It's not rocking science. But it's not easy either, is it? Because just like when we talk about love being more than an emotion, an emotion that it needs to be a choice, so our identity as sons and daughters of God, while that's the reality... We need to reaffirm it. We need to confirm it every day. When you roll out of bed in the morning and have to tackle whatever's ahead of you that day, can you see yourself doing it as a child of God? When you see the challenges that you face in daily life, can you see yourself confronting them in the Spirit of God that you carry with you that abides and dwells within you. You see, if we get that, if we get the idea that we carry Christ with us 24-7, then when we fall, 
We don't get identified by our failures. And when we succeed, we don't just rely on our successes. No, the thing that's constant is our identity as a son or a daughter. Because parents love their sons and daughters. And when Jesus spoke of us as being sons and daughters of the Father, that was pretty cutting edge in his day. It's a scandal to some to even use that language. Some will say, God is master, we are slave. But Jesus taught us to call him Father. Because that's what a son or a daughter does. Amen?